So I want to read from Romans 6, verses 16 through 23. I love this scripture, and I think this scripture is important as ever in this season of our lives um, as we're looking for direction and also as we're looking for perspective. I think this text is going to offer us a little help tonight. So if you want to follow along with me, Romans 6, verse 16, um, Paul writes this. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So when we, basically what he's saying, if we make a pattern of obeying something or obeying someone, um, we are essentially becoming slaves or becoming servants of that thing or of that person. And he goes on into the spiritual idea that if we serve something that's sinful, it'll lead to death. And if we serve something that's spiritual or that's godly, it'll lead to righteousness or a growth in our character and our growth in our relationship with the Lord. He says, but God be thanked that I, that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. That's the plan of salvation. Having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. So he's saying, I'm using this slavery analogy because it's just really the best example and illustration I've got. Um, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death." But now, having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, you have now, or you have your fruit to holiness and to the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, this scripture has really brought some perspective to me regarding this season that we've been facing of stress, of frustration, of confusion, and of fear. Um, in this text, Paul addresses how everybody, whether we're Christian or not, we all pretty much face the same conditions in a fallen world. We all suffer under the same conditions that, as Jesus said, it rains on the just and the unjust because the world is fallen and we live in a broken t time, right? And we all, not because some are bad or some are good, we all experience the same fallenness of this world. Now, the difference Paul's saying is not in what we experience because we all experience the same world, but the difference can be in what we take away from it. The difference can be in what we gain or what we lose. See, some, Christians teaching, some Christian teachings suggest that we can change this world's condition, but honestly, in reality... We know that our, this world's on our home forever. We're going to gain a better world. We're going to go to heaven and to the kingdom of God one day. And until then, we live in a fallen world. Now, Paul's teachings are helpful because they help us sort through this reality. We often talk about how Christian, Christianity frees us from sin and frees us from bondage. And that's true. It does. But sometimes we forget that that liberty uh, is not... It's not meant that we would be free to do whatever we want, however we want, with no accountability to no, or with no authority over us. Honestly, that idea is da as damaging as remaining in sin. And that's not what salvation does. And that's not, what, that's not a better way at all than living in sin because, honestly, that just sets us up for more disaster. 
See, Romans 6 talks about how our liberty from sin, yes, we are freed from bondage, but it also talks about how we are freed to submit to God. As in, we are freed from bondage to sin so that we would be free to submit to God. And that's very important. See, Jesus modeled the perfect Christian walk for us. All throughout his ministry, we get a glimpse of into his life, into his personal faith. And it always is around this notion of submitting to God, of trusting in God. Remember, he prayed the night before he died, Not my will, but your, but thy will be done. Because he was showing us that this was the only way to excel in life and exceed our personal goals and possibilities. Now, I want to talk about this because it's so important, and then we'll move on to the perspective we get from this when we face hardships. So in verse 16, Paul says that by nature, we are going to be servants of something. That every one of us are servants in some way, whether Christian or not. We are servants of something. Sinner or not, we are servants of something. And isn't it true? See, we are all servants. We have habits, we have agendas, we have schedules. We all serve, even as free as we claim to be, we all are servants because at our core, our nature is to serve something. We look for direction. See, Paul extrapolates from that nature and says, when it comes to our purpose and our characters, we are either going to serve sin or we're going to serve God. The point is, we won't be and we can't be righteous independently. We need a teacher, we need a leader, we need a savior, we need a Lord. There is no independence, to be honest, when it comes to our nature. Apart from God, we are sinful, so we're going to do things that sinners do. There's no transaction that frees us from sin that doesn't also place us under God. So here's my point. When we become Christians, yes, we are freed, but we are freed to faith. We are saved unto and for God. We are removed from sin and set apart to God. We aren't free just to make our own decisions because that would be as disastrous as being under sin. We are freed so that we can trust in God, so that He can lead us, so that we will do whatever He says, not whatever I say. Not whatever somebody else says. We are freed so that we can say, hey, I was a bondage, I was a slave to sin, but I'm not a slave anymore. I'm a servant of God because my best and my good will only come when I serve the Lord. See, that's not popular in our world today, is it? We don't want to be, we don't want to admit that we're weak, that we're needy, that we need to follow somebody. The world needs Christians rising up and saying, listen, we don't need autonomy. We don't need independence. We need dependence. We need to be all at the mercy of our God. Because when we try to do things our own way, we just make a mess. But when we do things God's way, it always leads to our best and to His best. See, verse 17, Paul admits he's using this imperfect terminology of slavery because it's the best illustration. But I want to read from, a, from the Gospels and tell another, show another illustration. In Matthew 22, Jesus is approached by some of the Pharisees and they ask if it's lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not. 
Now, Jesus knows they're really up to no good. And he says, hey, why are y'all trying to put me to a test? He says, show me a coin, because they had a coin in their hand. And he says, whose image, whose likeness is on this coin? And he throws it back at them. And they say, well, that's Caesar's face. And he says, you give to Caesar what is Caesar. And then he says this, whose likeness, whose image are you made in? See, the image on the coin, the inscription on the coin was Caesar's because the coin was made for and meant for and purposed for and only good for Caesar. Whose image are we inscribed in? So we were made for and are meant for and are purposed for and are only good when we serve and are used for the one whose image we were made in. See, only when we are given to Him, only when we give ourselves to Him, only when we surrender to and submit to Him can we realize this. See, I think this is an important topic in our country right now because there's a conversation around freedom. We often conflate the notion of freedom with the, uh, that we have in our country with the notion of freedom in our faith. And I want to speak to that because Christians, we are free. We are freed from sin. We are freed from bondage. We're free from this and that. But we are not free from God's rule. We are not independent. It would be to our detriment if we were. See, our pride gets the best of us sometimes. We need to let God get all of us. And I think this is so important right now because the Bible says that you and I are salt of the world. That we are the preservative of the planet. We are the substance that keeps our planet from rotting. See, there's always going to be different sides at play in every generation. There's a side that wants you to battle them. They want you to act like they've got your best in mind. There's a side that wants to make decisions for you and take away all of your freedom and all of your liberties. And they want you to think that unless they make decisions for you, you're not going to be able to operate or you're not going to be able to do anything that you want to do or not be able to get where you want to go. Now, I know that side is loud and, and, and say, says a lot of things in our country, and we don't like when they say those things. But there's also a side that wants to put off this idea that we don't owe anybody anything, that we are above serving or bowing, that we are free to the extent that we are accountable, and we don't submit to nobody. And that's why Christians are so important in our country, because neither of those sides have the right idea. See, Christians, we are so important in our society because we are what preserves this country from going to hell and what will save people from going to hell. Because just as much as sin sends people to hell, this idea of independence and autonomy and I don't serve anybody is just as damning. See, Christians, we need to shine. We need to show our country how God's people react to any and all circumstances. We don't bow to government. We aren't controlled by politicians, but we also aren't mavericks who abstain from being humble servants. What are we? We're Christians. And what does Christian mean? It means a Christ follower. As in, we have our eyes on Him and have determined that if we don't follow Him, we will be blind and lost. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, 
I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If we don't follow him, we have no light to guide us. We have no light within us. When we surrender to him, when we submit to him, when we trust in him, he puts the light in us and he transforms us. And we can become examples and are a testimony before the world for God's kingdom. See, the world is looking at you for answers right now. You might not know they're looking, but they are. They're looking at you for answers right now. And we can give them the answers they're looking for if we follow and if we submit to and if we trust the Lord. See, the world doesn't need Christians saying, well, hey, they've got all the answers in Washington. They've got all the answers in Raleigh. The world doesn't need that. But the world also doesn't need a bunch of people saying, well, we don't listen to anybody because we're free and we're independent and we serve ourselves only. The world doesn't need either one of those. The world needs people who say we're made in the image of God and we're going to give ourselves to God and the rest will be in his hands. See, when the world is facing troubles and times, and we are, this is when the church can offer so much hope and so much help. Listen to how Paul talks about how Christians can get something out of trials the rest of the world just simply can't. Look at verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness in that you weren't getting anything out of any situation that was bad. You were only getting bad. But he says, what fruit did you have in the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. The only thing we got out of situations that were bad was death, was the end of things, was the defeat of things. See, we know all about death in this world, don't we? But Paul says we've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. So now we can get fruit to holiness and to eternal life out of every situation. See, Paul says that Christians who go from under sin to under God, from slaves to sin to servants of Christ, we have been redeemed and we can see how God is redeeming the world as well. Because in the lives of those who God has redeemed, He is redeeming our situations. And here's what I mean by this. If he's worked the bad in our hearts for his good, he can work the bad in our world for his good. Can he? So the world needs some light right now so it can see that this season right we're in right now, it might be bad and full of bad, but God can actually work something good out of it. And we as the church, we don't say as if, we don't act as if there's nothing good that can come out of this. We know something good is going to come out of it because every season produces some kind of fruit. For those in the world without hope and without God, without faith in Him and what He's doing, the fruit is rotten and it's dead. See, there's some people when this is over, all they're going to get, all they're going to have as a result of it is just bad feelings and anger and frustrations and just aggravations and all the stuff that we get out of any bad situation. See, some people, we're going to get out of this and it's going to be just as bad as it was before, but with all the things that we lost during it or all the things that we couldn't do during it. But those who hope in God and those with God and have faith in Jesus, we know there is redeeming fruit from every season, even the bad seasons. Remember in the Old Testament, Aaron and Moses had rods. These were ordinary shepherd staffs, but God made them extraordinary weapons of spiritual warfare against evil. See, Aaron was the first high priest of Israel. He interceded for Israel for God to bring redemption to it and rescue it from sin and darkness. And if you remember, God verified Aaron's staff and Aaron's office 
in that his staff brought forth buds and produced blossoms and bore almond fruit. A dead branch became a tree of life. You know what that's a picture of? An old rugged cross that killed our Savior produced a resurrection of life for our Savior. A tree adorned with the fruits of sin on which Jesus suffered and died produced a resurrection from a garden tomb. So there is some fruit for us to gain from this season. Not rotten fruit, but redeemed and righteous fruit that will bring good for us and glory to God. Because we are under God, we take everything as fruit that is leading us to sanctification. To holiness is what the word means there in verse 22. To set us apart for Him. No doubt there is some good that we're going to get out of this season that we couldn't have gotten otherwise. We need to start praying and looking for that good. As individuals, as families, as churches, I believe this blessing is indeed threefold. If we aren't under God, we'd be under sin and everything would be leading to death, as verse 23 says. But because we're under God, everything is leading to life and everything offers us a gift of life, the gift of God and Jesus Christ. See, God is going to increase our life in Him. God is going to bless us because our hope in Him through this season. I believe His blessings, yes, they'll be physical, but more importantly, they will be spiritual. We will become more like Him and get closer to Him. So we're thankful in this season because of the life it is producing. So to maximize the fruit from this season, we must remain submitted to Him and surrendered to Him. We can't let pride convince us that our liberty makes us free from one another or God. Our freedom allows us to choose Jesus, to choose eternal life, and be blessed because of it. See, my fear, my fear from this season is that we'd be like that man at the pool of Bethesda who was healed. And later on, he was in the temple making a sin offering because apparently he, may, he has sinned in the meantime of his healing and his pain went to the temple. And Jesus said, See that you sin no more, for the second state will be worse than the first. He says, I didn't free you so you could go out into the world and just get back into sin. I freed you so you might would submit and surrender to me and receive the life I've always intended for you. Let's pray that we all come through this season with a greater resolve than ever to settle for nothing less than God's will. Jesus said in John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own because I seek not my own will, but I seek the will of Him who sent me. Jesus was free to do whatever He wanted to do, but He became a slave to whatsoever God desired because He wanted nothing less than eternal life. Not just for Himself, but for all of us. So we choose to follow Jesus because we want life we want goodness and mercy to follow us all the days of our lives, don't we? So let's surrender to Him. Let's be on our faces in front of Him as fervently as we were 50 or so days ago. Let us surrender to Him and say, not our will, but your will be done. Because God promises 
For everyone who does that, there is some fruit that's going to come out of this season. Not rotten fruit, not dead fruit, but righteous fruit, fruit that leads to holiness and eternal life. We are going to be people of God who have a basket and a cupboard full of righteous fruit. We're going to be able to tell people the story how when all the world was hurting and all the world was lacking, we saw that God was up to something. We saw that God was still bringing forth a harvest and we're going to see that harvest. I don't care what it is physically, but I know that spiritually we've got a harvest to reap if we do not give up and if we do not quit seeking Him. So church, let's resolve together tonight to seek His face, to seek His will, and to become slaves for life. Because those are the people, we can be the people that see the righteous fruit that leads to everlasting life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for salvation. Thank you for freedom and thank you for freeing us from sin and death. Thank you for choice. Thank you for opening our eyes and our hearts to you. Lord, we accept the freedom from sin you've given us. If not for you, we'd be stuck in sin and destined for hell. But because of you, we can walk out of our graves, but we don't want to walk around arrogantly or with aspirations to do whatever we want, we walk knowing that we've been raised for your will and for your glory. We bow down because it's in your image we've been made and given purpose. God, we receive the light from Jesus. We trust in him so that he can transform us and so that we can testify for him. We surrender to you. We know that you can redeem our circumstances and our struggles. We ask you to show us the good you're doing in this season. Help us to know that, you're going, that we're going to inherit life from this trial. We know that we are going to see fruit from this, and we're going to glorify you through it all. So thank you, Jesus. May we honor you as you've so greatly blessed us. In your amazing name, we pray. And ask all this. Amen.